0: Well, 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 beautiful
1: people, best damn nation, it is Wednesday and you know what time it is, it is the best damn wrestling podcast, I am your humble, humble host, Brown Renegade, and with me, I have the best damn crew, first of all, I got the chef of all chefs, He is a baking aficionado. We call him Senor Fuego, the one and only chef. Showtime is in the building. What's happening, chef?
2: What's good? What's good? How you fellas doing today?
1: Oh, man, we good, brother. Blessed and highly favored as the old folks would say. Oh, man, listen. We have one of the best grapplers in wrestling. Uh, this man is a boxer. This man is a professional wrestler. This man is a whoop-ass specialist. He's the Green eyed Bandit. He's your mama's favorite wrestler. And he can whoop yo daddy ass, Mr. Everything, Victor, Andrews. There you go. Say it again. Say it again, Mr. Everything. Go ahead, go
2: ahead. And I don't fight for free.
1: And, oh, and I don't fight for free. We fight for monties around this Money. box. Money. <laughs> <Mantis. Money. laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, we have a best damn alum here in the building. He is the king of the meek freaks, the mushroom madman, the psychedelic sweetheart, the one and only Stephen Meeks is in the building.
3: How y'all doing? How's everybody? I love y'all so big.
2: Wait, 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 wait,
1: wait, wait. Hold on, hold
3: on, hold on,
2: hold on. This ain't the Steven Mix that we know. Steven Mix that we know is full of love and energy and joy and power and extreme. I, this, we the power to the oh the Come on, Steven Mix. Give what we want. Give what we're looking for. Looking Steven Mix. Right One more time for us, baby. There's
1: a, there's a hug. Maybe oh
3: man, a virtual hug <laughs> for the world. Oh man, but
1: yeah, that's fun. <laughs> the hug master is here. Oh man, okay. spreading okay. love, piece okay. of hair grease. You know what I'm saying to you, man. Man, though, say that again. Go ahead
3: just loving people through wrestling, man, just trying to make it through the holidays without putting too much weight on, you know, trying to stay looking fresh in my, in my, my skivvies, you know, that I'd be performing in and, uh, you know, (laughs) all that, all that good stuff, you know, (laughs) trying to stay, trying to stay in his word and, and, you know, just keep, keep, uh, remember the reason for the season and all that good stuff. And
1: yeah. Oh, man. The make Master has spoken. Yeah. Beautiful people. <laughs> oh, man. Drop some love down in the comment box. Uh, show us some love. Welcome, Best Damn Nation. If you guys are listening to us online on uh, Facebook, YouTube, Twitch, Twitter, thank you for watching us. Uh, if you're listening to us in radio land on Spotify, Amazon Music, Pandora, wherever you get your wrestling content, you can check out the fellas at the Best Damn Wrestling podcast and see what we got going. Let's go around the world real quick, check on everybody. Oh man, uh, Chef Showtime, what's been going on with you, my brother? You got on yourself, Chef.
3: Let's hit Victor. I think he's. I think Chef
1: is. Yeah, that will come back around. Uh, Victor. Andrews, what's happening, my brother?
2: (laughs) Nothing much, man. Nothing much. Got some big things happening in 2024 already. So I'm ready to, you know, see what this new year is going to do for us, man. I mean, I'm excited. You excited? I'm excited.
1: I'm excited, man. You told us some uh, some news off camera man i want you to i don't know if it's too early to break the news to the best damn nation man but i early. think it might be yeah, interesting yeah, yeah. yeah wait wait till till
2: really till we... no we're gonna
0: we're going
2: wait, wait we're gonna talk about right now <laughs> yeah wait wait till we get the things in our in our grasp yeah Gotta
0: coordinate. Gotta
1: coordinate. Yeah, we gotta coordinate. <laughs> gotta coordinate. We don't talk about Bruno twirl. Yeah, we ain't talking about Bruno right now. All right, well, we <laughs> but Mr. Everything got some big news. So follow him on all his social medias so you can see what he got going on in this big announcement that we're gonna drop, you know what I'm saying, for the people. But now we got to go to the king of the meat freaks. Uh Steven Meeks, what you got going on, my brother? not a whole lot. Uh we got a big
3: show this weekend, uh, United Pro Wrestling. Uh, in Raleigh, North Carolina, we got Love and War. Me and my my best friend on the planet Earth, Grant Watts, are going to, I think he's finally come around to loving people through wrestling, all right? It took him a while. He kind of was standoffish with Steven Meeks at first, but watch, I mean, we got the W last time. So, like, this time, watch Love and War go into the match, you know, with good vibes, and we, we are going to prove that the top shooters ain't nothing. We're we gonna run right through them and we're gonna prove that Trey Ruler shoots blanks. You feel me? You feel me? Shut up, fire! You, are you thinking <laughs> of what I'll put down?
0: Trey <laughs> <laughs> so,
3: <laughs> Anyways, uh, yeah. So, uh, yeah. And then we got the holidays coming in. Which is which is awesome. I love holiday music. I love the Michael Bublé uh, and all that all that crooner stuff and remembering the reason for the season and loving people and and yeah, I'm doing well. I'm I'm super blessed.
1: Oh man, I love to hear that. Uh, uh, is this your first time really being in a tag team kind of setting or?
3: Yeah, Grant Watts is kind of like my first real. Like this is like the first tag avenue. I want to invest more time and and money into this because I think me, I think Grant and I and Love and War as a concept like has some legs, and I think we complement each other really well. I mean, Grant Watts is pure heart. Grant Watts, he's pure fire. He's he's just an ornery little feller, and you know I'm I'm laid back, and and we both love technical technical <laughs> wrestling. So I I think him and I are definitely going to do more stuff in the future uh, with UPW and beyond.
1: Oh, man, that's awesome. Uh, Could we ever see a possible tag team match with Steven Meeks and Mr. Everything, Victor Andrews? Is is that something that uh? Wet your list?
3: So since the last time that I've been on here, Victor Andrews and I have wrestled.
1: Yeah. Uh, we Let's had- talk about that real quick.
3: <laughs> <laughs> Listen, we had I'm i'm going to I'm going to peel back the curtain a little bit and I'm going to say like uh, we had so much fun and we just decided we had made up our minds that we were like all right, you're going to be Victor Andrews and uh, I'm going to be Stephen Meeks and we're going to let may the best man win and all that good stuff and you know, you can't you can't you can't beat uh, experience and time in so you know I'll I wear my I, I'll, I'll take my L respectfully I learned a lot and I have a lot of fun so uh, you know Victor's still the freaking SCC champion or whatever that's cool you know that's fine <laughs> it, it is what it is,
0: <laughs> like, I is it I'm, I'm is
3: Is sure. it what it is Uncle Vic it's okay like you know you got but I lived I wrestled Victor Andrews and I lived all right. And I didn't complain about it. All right. I said I had fun. Everybody else is scared of this man right here. You know, but I I would <laughs> wrestle any day of the week. <laughs> I had a blast. I didn't yeah. That was
1: that was fun. Well listen, man, I didn't call you the mushroom mad man for no reason. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> oh yeah. uh, man. Uh Mr. Everything, talk about that match real quick that you had with Stephen Meeks, man, and do you see a possible opportunity for you guys to maybe tag one day in the ring?
2: Man, I'm I'm a firm believer that everything is possible, which is why I am Mr. Everything. Uh, <laughs> uh, I do see that happening. I do see that happening, and it can I can make that happen. Uh, and what we need is a tag team that's willing to step in the ring with us and to be able to combat what we have to offer. And I don't think there is many tag teams out there that can combat what we have to offer. I don't care if you're in the majors or on the minors or just getting started or have been doing it for a very long time or retired. There isn't a tag team that can really step in the ring with us and say, you know what? I was was confident that I could beat them. No, they're going to come in like, I'm not too sure and I'm going to give it all I got. I know all I got ain't enough. I'm going to need a little bit more. But dag on it. Hopefully I'll live. Like Steve Meeks said, when he got done, he said, I wrestled Victor Andrews and lived. And everybody else is like, Man, I ain't doing that again. That's exactly how it's gonna be if they step away <laughs> with Victor Andrews and Stevie Meeks. Psychedelic everything, baby. Psych- everything is psychedelic. Yeah, I don't like that. Yeah, psychedelic,
1: psychedelic kind of thing. I like that. Everything's psychedelic. Like we can go both ways.
3: <laughs> I I, I'll, I'll even say a name that I, if, if we're gonna make it happen, I want it to happen against the sports entertainment empire. I want it to happen against James Johnson and Drew Hood because those cats are tearing it up. And I got I got a little chip on my shoulder with James Johnson, so uh, you know. Let's. I tell, tell you thing. what. This is what I
2: want to do. I will tell you what I want to do. I'm also <laughs> watching the the live on Facebook, so those that are watching on Facebook right now, from the best damn nation, make sure you drop your comments and everything, and check out this comment, I'm going to Post, in the chat right now. I'm to Tag, James Johnson, and Drew Hood, and tell them, if you want it, come get it. Come get
1: it.
3: Rob, watch the DVR, <laughs> <Rewind>. <laughs> Let's get it. All right. Well,
1: listen, that's going to be interesting, fellas, and I can't wait to see it. Uh, we got a special guest in the building. I want Mr. Everything to do the honors, man. Uh,
2: ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls and children of all ages. I don't care if you have been in wrestling, been watching wrestling since 1922 or you've been watching this as of yesterday, you are going to know who this man is. You should know who this man is. This man is a legend. He does not get the credit that you so deserve. He is my brother, my family, one of the forefathers of Control Your Narrative, one of the best cruiserweights, one of the best technical wrestlers ever to step foot in the ring. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Austin Aries
0: yeah (laughs) what's going on everybody
2: what's up what's what's going on my brother not much man we got a new look what's happening
0: yeah Yeah, man yeah i did a little, little bit of shave the other day every once in a while you know uh hair's growing out a little bit so Kind of circa, you know, circa two thousand eight, two thousand nine. Austin Aries, look here. So. Got, I got, the, I got the, John, today? the John Stamos thing going. I'm being told. So, look, when you first came <laughs> on, I was like,
2: "Wait, so we had Austin Aries, not John Stamos." But yeah, yes, hey, it works. Hey, celebrity is a
0: celebrity. It works, right? Yeah, man. <laughs> right, good. Um, oh, so. I this is going to pull host here, guys. How's it going? A lot of people here.
1: Oh, pretty good, man. Pretty good. Oh, man, listen, we are, are happy to have you on here, my brother. Um, it, it is an absolute pleasure to have a legend like yourself in the building. Man. Uh, let's go ahead and get started, man. So let's just uh, start. Like, nobody knows you. they they're You know, you're just being introduced for the first time, man. Sure. I think the, the first question that I want to ask is... When did you first fall
0: in love with Uh, wrestling? 1982. Yeah, I was four years old. Uh, Up to that point in my life, I was really gravitating towards the Army, the military. My my grandfathers had served. My uncles had served. uh, I had all the G.I. Joe toys. And then one day, I turned on the television on a Saturday morning. And I saw AWA wrestling. I grew up in uh, just outside of Milwaukee, so AWA wrestling. And um, man, from the moment I saw it, it grabbed me, and uh, that was it. All the uh, all the GI Joe toys went away, and I started collect <laughs> started collecting all the all the old Remco AWA action figures, and started really this. You know, I called it my secret passion because you know back then you didn't really tell people that you liked pro wrestling. It wasn't Exactly. Cool. But, um, yeah, man, that was it. Uh, from, from 82 on pro wrestling was my thing. And, you know, I grew up watching the, the Crocodera and the horsemen and dusty and five Oh five on TBS, uh, learned it, learned to hate the Atlanta Braves cause they preempt the show sometimes Saturday nights, you know, cause they're baseball games. But, uh, yeah, that was really, that was really the beginning of, of the uh, love affair.
1: Oh man, that's awesome. Uh, where, were, were you let me ask you a question: Were your your parents um, supportive of you pursuing wrestling as a career?
0: Um, you know i i left uh, I left for college at seventeen. Uh, stood on my own two feet. Um, never really hid anything from my parents from that point on because I was paying my bills, taking care of myself, and, and kind of my own man. And I was really lucky that. Um, They've always supported me and whatever. I've always been an outside-the-box kind of guy. You know, if you ask me as a kid, what do you want to be when you grow up? I said, I don't know. I just don't want to be like anybody else around me because that life didn't seem like it was making anybody happy, man. You know, so I've always I've always kind of zigged when people zagged and kind of marched to the beat of my own drum, so sort to of speak. And, you know, uh, I've been supportive that, you know, my, my parents always supported me. Uh, they believed in me and um, just kind of let me do my thing.
1: Mm, that's awesome man. Uh talk about you uh growing up in Milwaukee. I know that you uh are a, a big uh Bucks fan and um you also you know like uh the Milwaukee teams like Green Bay and and the Brewers if I'm not mistaken. Uh what does it mean to be from Milwaukee and to be one of the people that made it out, out of Milwaukee?
0: Uh, We know, growing up for me is just a very, I I call it the Midwest charm, right? You kind of have that middle class, blue collar type of growing up. And um, yeah, I grew up an athlete, you know, growing up, the Packers was kind of a religion in in my family on Sundays. uh, I grew up a baseball player, went to college to play baseball as a center fielder and left handed pitcher, Um, was way too tall for basketball. So I kind of gave that up. But uh, um, that was a joke, but. Uh, yeah, man. Uh, so yeah, you know, I just, once I had the opportunity, I knew I wanted to travel. I wanted to get out of the Midwest. I wanted to see the rest of the country. And when I did that, and that was after a couple of years of trying the college thing and realized it wasn't for me. And once I got out and started meeting people from other parts of the country that had different thoughts on, you know, what life was like, it really just opened everything up for me. I realized, wow, like there's so much opportunity in this life, and we don't want to shortchange ourselves by boxing ourselves in anywhere. And so, I just—I remember this vision. I actually was thinking about this the other day. I was in Lake Havasu, and I just got my tattoo. It was my 22nd birthday. We traded a guy at two-foot bong. Uh, the, my, the guy was tra- the guy I was traveling with his company. Did did custom blown glass uh, pieces for different bands and things like that. So. It was my birthday, and we met this guy who was a tattoo artist. This guy was like, hey, it's my bro's birthday, man. Like, we want to get him some ink. Like, what if I trade you this sick piece for it? And so, but the next day, we were out on this boat on Lake Havasu. I remember just sitting there, and actually, my hair was kind of getting long at the time. And it was just like this aha moment of like, man, like, there's so much out there. But you have to go out and explore it. You have to go experience it. You know, if you sit in your, you sit in a, you know, you sit in your cube all day and you can experience it through a screen, but that ain't the real thing, you know? Yeah. And, uh, so, and that's what I just knew. Like, I just, I didn't know what I wanted to do, but I just, I wanted to do something different than the people I've grown up around. Not that there's anything wrong with it. I just, I felt like there was something different for me. Yeah, yeah absolutely. <laughs> uh,
1: Listen, Oh, quick. Let's go ahead. Go ahead. Sorry, go
2: ahead. Quick, let's dive in. So professional wrestling. Your first experience, you know, what, what what was that like stepping into a training um, in that moment and, and what was going through your mind as you was having that uh, that moment? Because a lot of professional wrestlers now, especially on the end, when we had that first moment, we were like, either, wow, I can't believe I'm doing this or, damn it, I can't believe I'm doing this, <laughs> you know? Yeah. So what yeah. was your moment? Was you like, wow, I can't believe I'm actually doing it or, damn it, I'm about to go home because I... I can't believe I'm,
0: I'm trying to do this. Um, well, so, you know, when I, I broke in in 2000. So this predates social media and, you know, Instagram and YouTube and all these things. So even, you know, Google search engines, all this. So you couldn't just find wrestling schools by going on the internet and, and looking it up. It was kind of, you had to know somebody who knew somebody or had a connection somewhere, right? It was a little more, I'll say protected, but in a way, right? They, they protected the business a little more than we do now. And so I was actually getting ready to move out to Lake Havasu. I was having a great time out there doing some extracurricular activities, you know, and um, because I wanted to get out of Minnesota, which where I'd been, you know, after going to college there for a couple of years. And I had, I had my car packed up and I was ready to move out. And a childhood friend of mine called up and told me he was training to be a pro wrestler up in Minneapolis. And I just, I remember saying, I was like, what do you mean? Like, boy, what, what you go to like a wrestling college? You know, like kind of being a smart ass. He's like, well, no, there's a school up here with Eddie Sharkey, who I knew the name immediately because Eddie Sharkey trained the Road Warriors and Rick Rude and Barry Darso and, you know, had a hand in a lot of those guys that broke out of the, out of the Midwest area. So I knew the name. And so I said, all right, man, I'm not saying I don't believe it, but I got to check this out for myself. So I drove up a couple hours, and yeah, it was a small ring, 16-foot ring, low boy, set up in this little garage, and it was uh, another trainer, Terry Fox, who was kind of the in-ring guy at the time, and it was in his garage. And I remember walking in, there's these two guys in the ring going through some drills, and, like, it was just, like, my eyes were like, what? Like, this is a real <laughs> thing. Like, holy <laughs> shit. It was like, and it was like the the, cl- the clouds parted, like, the light came down and shined, and I was like, and not not to be too arrogant but I was watching these guys for a couple minutes I was like man I know I could do it better than those guys like what is so I went to Terry and I said hey Terry can I just get in the ring for just a minute just to see what it's like he said nope absolutely not it's three thousand dollars and you gotta sign a waiver and I'm like oh man I got like five hundred bucks to my name at the time right Mm -hmm. and I said Terry I said I got five hundred bucks I said, I'll give you half of it right now and I'll pay you every week until this is paid off. And he's looking at me, he's like, Terry, t- t- give me Terry's like five nine, like 220, you know, kind of little belly and the, the mustache, the <laughs> Horace Hogan, who, you know, the little fat cheeks, great guy. And he looks at me, he squints, he goes, Let me think about it for a minute. So he goes, he kind of like leaves me hanging there. About 30 minutes later, he's like, so you really want to do this, huh? <laughs> I was like Terry Terry. I've never wanted to do anything More than this in my life And he's just looking at me And he's looking me up And now he goes Okay you got yourself a deal And I was like what So I went and asked my buddy I was like hey man Can I move up on your couch And he's like yeah sure And that was it So instead of going to Lake Avasu I drove up two hours in Minneapolis Plopped on my buddy's couch I started giving plasma twice a week To make money I started working temp jobs At 5am You know what I'm saying So it's like there was no go fund me, you know, I had to go fund myself, you know, I could right. just ask for handouts and it, but it didn't matter. I was getting, to, I was getting to chase something I didn't think was even possible. Right. And so, yeah, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, you know, three o'clock, four o'clock I'd get there leave about 9 PM. I was first one there last one to leave, you know, go work my job in the morning and, and just, you know, a lot of us, I mean, at that age, I'm t- you know 22 at the time, fresh out of dropping out of college, going, what am I gonna do with my life, you know? And a lot of people don't get lucky enough to find their calling, to find that thing that lights them up, you know? Right. That, you know, people go, man, you put in so much work, You really, you were really dedicated and it never felt like work because the fact I got to go train these three days a week and do this, whatever else I had to do on the side to facilitate doing this, never felt like work. And uh, yeah, that was it, man. I just, I trained for about six months, had my first match, and then just started, you know, spreading out, branching out over four years, you know, there was no YouTube, you know, you couldn't connect through the internet, you had to like actually drive to shows and network and give people VHS tapes you knew they'd never watch unless they were drunk after a show and they wanted to laugh at people, you know, but uh, <laughs> but that's how, you got, that's how you got your name out there, that's how you did it.
2: Absolutely. And that's one of the things that you did touch on that a lot of people don't realize is the hustle and bustle and all the extra stuff that you had to do to fund this opportunity to do it, like selling, like getting plasma and, you yeah. know, a little house in jobs. Like everybody think that as soon as you become a professional wrestler, you're making millions and millions of dollars. But no, we're spending millions and millions of dollars to be able to do yeah. this crazy thing that yeah. we do every week to entertain people. So that's very good. Uh, I appreciate you um, bringing that up, but really quick, before we move on, I know Brian has another question. And we're going to let some of the other guys, you know, introduce himself and, and ask another question. What is going on with that picture behind you? Like, you got to tell me what, what, Oh man.
1: So,
0: so I've had this picture. This picture was in my attic when I was growing up as a kid and my uncle was a uh, uh, art teacher and he'd painted this and I took this off to college with me and I've this is one of the few things that's, it's been with me ever since. I had it reframed a, few, a number of years back and it's just a cool piece, man. And you know, it's from the family and stay staying in the family. And so, yeah, I just, wherever I go out, this picture is always is always the piece that gets put up first.
2: Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, and, you know, it reminds up. me of, uh, yeah, it, before you actually pulled it up, I was thinking um, the crib that they kept Jesus in and then, you yeah. know, they pulled the rock back, you know, Steven will, will attest to this. And they pulled the rod back, and that's all you saw was that empty cave that he walked out of. So that's what okay. grabbed my attention. But I, I love, yeah. love I love the whole family aspect of it and the yeah, history. Man. Thank you. Brian, what
1: you got? Oh man, uh, let's talk about your time in Ring of Honor, man. Uh let's talk about that experience of the the Ring of the different types of Ring of Honors that you've been a part of, right? The different regimes. Can we talk about that real quick? Your time in Ring of Honor
0: yeah I remember uh, one day a, a guy a friend of mine eric uh we were always the guys that were working together in the ring and he sent me this uh, press release about this new promotion starting up called Ring of honor and what they were going to be about and i remember i remember writing the back like ah, I'm not ready yet you know I'm not ready yet you know um and but that was the place to go right that's where like once vince bought wCw there was a vacuum and you know something had to fill the void and Ring of Honor was the thing to kind of fill that void, the Indies, you know, and now with tape trading and, and, you know, diehard wrestling fans can start watching different stuff from different places. And, you know, Ring of Honor, you know, that was basically how their business model started. They were a tape trading company, right? And they realized pretty soon instead of grabbing all these, you know, footage from other companies, they could just start their own and, and sell their own footage, right? And sell their own DVDs. And that was really the idea and it was to grab the best, local independent guys, uh, independent guys from all the different local areas and bring them into one promotion. So, um, you know, you get to a point and I tell all these wrestlers that have aspirations of making it to the big time, you're going to get to a point where you're the best guy in your area, you know, in your, in your little region. And now you're the guy that all the other guys are working to get better, but that's when you need to leave. And that's when you need to go somewhere else. And so for me, having the opportunity to get in the ring with the CM Punks and the Brian Danielsons and the Samoa Joes and all these guys that were the best guys from their area were all now converging here to Ring of Honor. That's where you get to test yourself and you start to really grow as a performer and to kind of see where you're at. And and now and now I'm getting in the ring with guys better than me that I can learn from, you know, after being maybe the guy that was in the other position. So, um yeah, you know, had the opportunity to to break in there and, you know, drove like 16 hours out in a van full of guys for my do or die match. Did basically every move I could think of that I had in my arsenal at the time because I, you know, didn't know how to work yet. I just knew how to do stuff, but my stuff was so cool that they wanted to bring me back. And um, yeah, and so I moved out to Philadelphia. And this is something else I tell people: I've I've moved probably thirty times in my life. I go to where the opportunity is. You know, I'm, I'm going to go to the opportunity. I'm not going to wait for the opportunity to come to me. So. Once I knew and, and Gabe Sapolsky told me he was interested in, in using me, I said, let me make it easy for you. And I'm just going to move out to Philadelphia, East Coast. Uh, so it's going to reduce my travel, reduce expenses and just make, make me right there. Um, and eventually that I think helped lead me to running the, the Ring of Honor School a couple of years later because I was there. I was right there. So. Um, but yeah, you had the Gabe Sapolsky uh, Ring of Honor, which was kind of the original um you know, uh, iteration of it. And always grateful for Gabe to put me uh, in the position he did to give me the opportunity to, you know, get in the ring with Samoa Joe at final battle. Um, You know, winning the ROH title at that time really put my name on the map. Um, Thanks to everything Joe had done before that, it really thrust me into the spotlight. And that could have been anybody. That could have been Alex Shelley. That could have been Roderick Strong. That could have been any number of 12 guys, 15 guys on the roster deserve that spot. I was grateful enough to get the opportunity and um, and so for that, I was extremely loyal to Gabe and to Ring of Honor. And so when Gabe was let go, it was really difficult for me, you know, because I was really, uh, I was in the office a lot, spent a lot of time with him. I was loyal to him for the opportunity he'd given me. And, you know, there was a, a bit of a regime change. And with that, you know, came a little bit of friction. You know, people are trying to take control different people are trying to work their way in, you know, Jim Cornette ends up in there, you know, Adam Pierce is in control for a while. There was this kind of this weird transition part where I was asked to be kind of a locker room leader, but nobody was really told that I was a locker room leader. And I wasn't given the information to be a locker room leader. And it was just, you know, it was trying to figure these things out as all these moving pieces. And, um, you know, I was at odds with with some of the things that were changing with the, with the new management, uh, the general manager who didn't have any connections to wrestling. Um, and so it did lead to a little bit of uh, some issues after the after the game regime, you know, bringing in Jim Cornette. And so, you know, I'm sure everyone here's, you know, heard Jim's, Jim Cornette's opinions on me. Um, but it was a difficult time, you know, uh, transition for the company, myself personally. And, um, and, and things were changing. And because it had to change. Because Ring of Honor's original concept was everyone go out there and try to have the best match of the night. And the cream will rise to the top. And when you don't have a roster, that's a good way to build a roster. But once you have a roster, now we need to work together as a team, right? It's like a baseball team. If everyone's going up there swinging for the fences and nobody's trying to take a walk or get on base for the guys behind them, it's maybe not the most efficient way to have a team. And I think pro wrestling is the same way. We want to build a car. We want to make sure that we're, you know, we're being respectful to the people after us, to other people before us, not doing the same things. And so the philosophy changed a little bit, I think for the better when Adam got in there, because now that we had a crew and we were kind of a big family, let's not work against each other uh, because we have so many talented guys and women in there. We could all go out there and steal the show any night. I can loop false finishes for 30 minutes any night I want once you know the formula. So that's not magic. So it's about understanding your role on the card for that night and delivering in that role. Um, Because if you're the main event, you don't want the guy that's going on second or third to be taking all the things that you want to use later for that epic main event, right? So I think that's sometimes where we get in the indies a lot, we're all kind of being a little selfish and we have to be a little selfish in this industry. But I think once you have a once you have a roster, that, that that's when you can start working together, building cards collectively and making sure that we're putting on the best show that we can for the fans. Uh,
1: what do you think about this new Ring of Honor product uh, under the directive uh, of Tony Khan and, and AEW. Do you like the way the Ring of Honor is being treated? And you mentioned uh, Jim Cornette. And he has some, <laughs> a, lot of pe- a lot of people had uh, have some things to say about this new Ring of Honor and uh, what they think about it and if it's growing or if it's uh, a money pit. You know what I'm saying, in a a lot of ways. What do you feel about this new Ring of Honor product that you're seeing? Uh,
0: Well, I'll have to be honest. I don't really watch a lot of wrestling anymore. And I really haven't for a number of years. Like it's Somewhere along the way, um, and I know this might hurt some people's feelings. I apologize. But I kind of fell out of love with wrestling as a fan. It became my job right? And it became my job and you start to watch it differently. You start, right? So the fandom kind of disappeared. And so I don't keep up. It's not something I, I do in my spare time or watch. I keep up enough to be educated. I've caught some things here and there that have interested me, watched, watched a few things. Um, But I would just say that really, if you look at the current style of wrestling, that's Ring of Honor. In okay. every company, in every promotion, this, this Attention to to motion and maybe forgetting about emotion, but we're focused on the motion, the move, the spot. That was ring up. That's what we ushered in. Sorry, guys. We kind of messed it up a little bit. We didn't know what we were doing. We were just stealing the Super Junior stuff that we were seeing on tapes from Japan and then doing it over here for the first time. Never thought it was new, but it was stuff that Dynamite Kid and Tiger Mask have been doing for 10, 15 years at that point, right? But we hadn't seen it in the States yet because every everything here was big heavyweight style. So now you get guys that are starting to do what we call work right nowadays, right? And so that I mean the influence of Ring of Honor from the original Ring of Honor is what we see in wrestling today. And it's it is what's on TV, no matter what promotion you watch. If you go and you watch early ring of honor, that that's what's translated. So I haven't watched enough of the new ring of honor to be able to compare it to anything else. Do I think it's a money pit? I don't know. I think I think from what I've gathered, Tony got a really good deal on, on the sale of Ring of Honor. And with that, he got a lot of footage of a lot of people who have made a lot of money in this business. So I'm sure, you know, Sure, Tony's a pretty smart businessman. And even if even if Ring of Honor's not turning a profit uh, from events or things of that sort, I would like to think that the video library in and of itself is so extremely valuable. Um, along those lines, I have almost a DVD of every show I was ever on for like six, seven, eight years. I have this, I have like a collection of like a couple hundred DVDs. A lot of them still in their plastic and I'm getting ready to put them up for sale. And I think, I mean, what a great collector's item for people who really want the the history of Ring of Honor. You look at the names that were on there and, um, you know, for me, it's sitting in my storage unit. And uh, I would much rather uh, find a home for it to someone who would really, really appreciate it. And so, yeah. Um, Probably sometime in 24, we'll put some kind of auction up or offer this up by personal collection for sale. I think it'd be pretty cool. That's awesome, man. Uh,
1: You faced a lot of uh, competitors during your time uh, in Ring of Honor. Who do you uh, see as one of your uh, favorite matches, you know what I'm saying, In, in the Ring of Honor during that time?
0: I think one of my favorite, and I was just even extended to one of my favorite programs, was with Jimmy Jacobs. And for a lot of my tenure in Ring of Honor, I was just I was the good match guy, the wrestling machine, you know. Just I didn't really bite into a lot of storyline outside of great matches, you know. And so with the Jimmy Jacobs feud, I got to start really layering some storyline, and we had you know, a dog collar match that I loved. We finished in an I quit match, which I hadn't really done those type of matches before. So it was something different for me. Working with Jimmy was a different psychology. It wasn't about our spots. It was about the emotion, not the motion. And it it just, it helped me grow as a performer and as an actor, which is what we are, we're actors, right? And so it allowed me to tap into that a little more and the emotion. which i hadn't done so that was one of my favorite programs you know i mean obviously listen any match with brian danielson or samoa joe or you know these guys of course they're gonna be great matches of course they're memorable those are those are guys that are you know elite elite talent right so um but that that jimmy jacobs feud to me was something that stuck out as different that really elevated me in a different way
1: awesome i love to hear that um Let me ask you another question, man. You are uh, one of the first, uh, if not the first, Grand Slam champion in Impact Wrestling and TNA TNA history. Um, Let's talk about your time in Impact Wrestling. What was that like uh, being on the early cusp of of Impact Wrestling at that time with TNA? Yeah, TNA. Um,
0: You know, very interesting. uh, Transitioning from Ring of Honor, where I was, you know, positioned as a top guy, uh, and then going to TNA and feeling like they were kind of pigeonholing me as a cruiserweight and um, reducing my money that I was, that I had been making to kind of put me at the same tier as the guys in that division. And I didn't accept it very well, you know, and it, and it led to some, some friction there. You know, I felt I was capable to be running with the AJ Styles and the Christopher Daniels and Samoa Joe, which at the time they were doing that, those three-way matches, which were lighting the, you know, lighting the house on fire. And I thought yeah. there was a, there was some natural storylines with my history with Joe that you know they they could have given me the opportunity to, to bring me in there, and, and you know we just had a disagreement in that, and it also was my first taste of what was a more corporate setting of wrestling as they were kind of trying to be like a you know poor man's WWE in the way they did their business, the way they treated their talent, and um, you know if I wanted a corporate job, I would have gotten to any business other than pro wrestling. You know if I wanted to be up. If I wanted to be owned, if I want to be told, you know, what to say, you know, what, how to dress, how to act, it's not me, man. It's not me. So, you know, there was an adjustment period there and maybe at the time didn't adjust as well as I would have liked to. Um, And also like just kind of had to put my foot down. And I think sometimes in this business, man, you know, you have to, you have to stick up for yourself. You know, if not, sometimes guys get walked over. I always have a joke with Jer- uh, with Jerry Lynn, and Jerry Lynn is like known as like the nicest man in pro wrestling ever. Like everybody loves Jerry Lynn, and I said, Jerry, you know what, Jerry, if you had a little more Austin Aries in you, and Austin Aries had a little more Jerry Lynn in him, we both would have made a lot more money, you know? Because <laughs> Jer- Jerry was a guy who who maybe you know if he would have stood up for himself and maybe said no a little more and wasn't as nice, he had all the oh, talent, he yeah. had you know, all the tools. This guy was amazing, right? But in this business, you will get chewed up and spit out. and You will get walked on if you, if you don't stand up for yourself sometimes, you know, and that doesn't always, uh, you know, you know, that can make you uh difficult to work with, you know, so be it. Um, I'll say though, is that when I came back after, after kind of leaving there, um, you know, that's what led to my world title win and, and, and subsequent title wins after that. And I often wonder if, if I hadn't been a pain in the ass and and kind of put my foot down and fought for myself, uh, would that have ever happened? I don't know. You know? So uh, it was a great learning experience. It was now really doing television wrestling, which was different than what I had been doing. And I was getting to work with now guys that, you know, had been to the dance had been to WWE, some real big name guys. And uh, you know, it was a great learning experience and um, a lot of fun. And, And I'm excited that they're, they're bringing TNA back. There's a lot of history there and, you know, who knows? Maybe that opens the door for Austin Aries' return. I
1: would love that, sir. <laughs> that,
0: that would be
2: yeah.
1: yeah.
0: That would be
2: awesome. Real quick question. Uh, you mentioned that you had to go through a lot of changes, you know, I, and I can understand that as a professional wrestler myself. So, from your start in 2000 to now, what would you say was the most difficult change that you had to go through in terms of different locker rooms that you've been in from the big leagues to the independence like what would be the biggest change that you had to go through personally as for yourself
0: well i mean the biggest change for me wrestling wise was you know going to wwe that schedule was unlike anything i had done you know with like with the tna schedule we would film over a weekend you know we would do maybe two or three days and film tv and then i'd be off for a couple of weeks or maybe have some indie shows so I had a lot more time at home during the week to train and to eat right and things like that. When you get to WWE, you're on the road all week. And then you might, you know, I was having like, I was home for like 36 hours every week and then I was back on the road. That was a difficult adjustment because I used to like take a couple days off from training when I filmed TV and then work my ass off during the week. And now with WWE, you, you, you got to work out on the road. You got to eat on the road. You know, you got to do everything on the road. And then when you're home, you're just literally there to recharge, to go do it again. And, um, you know, went from NXT to getting hurt and then going to commentary to the main roster. I never really settled into a routine. And uh, and that's, I, I think for me, I, I gained a, just another level of respect for the guys and the girls that have been able to do that and sustain that lifestyle for decades, you know. And, and these guys like the Seth Rollins and the Kevin Owens and these guys that have been on top for a while. Um, obviously, the John Cena the Roman Reigns, like the schedule alone you know, is is um, is unlike anything else in, in probably most sports or entertainment. So that was an adjustment for me for sure. So in terms Which of, like, okay. Uh, so in terms of the
2: rigorous schedule, and we talk about this all the time, and some of the guys kind of give us heat about it. Um, when you see guys like Roman Reigns or like John Cena when he was there in Rock, and they would take mm-hmm. these longevity times off of TV with the championship, even Brock Lesnar would take all these times right. off. How do you feel in terms of, like, do you feel like that's what they would they needed because of the, the rigorous schedule, right? Like you would say, like, because they, they're taking these times off of TV, probably to remap a new, new uh, storyline probably revamp a new character when you know John mm-hmm. Cena would go from the thugonomics to you know where he went to after that um do you would you say would you attest to that is it because of the rigorous schedule that they have to have all the time to the point where they got into the championship they're like okay I need some time off
0: I think I think it's sad I think it's also just a good business decision right it's like uh you know you guys follow the NBA you know the big discussion is load management right you want to sit your stars To keep them healthy for the stuff that really matters. And so, you know, once once these guys have kind of earned their stripes, and now that these guys are a real valuable asset to the company, do we want to do we want to kind of run that asset into the ground all week when we really need them for SummerSlam? We really need them for WrestleMania. We really need them for the Royal Rumble. We really need them for Monday Night Raw. But if I send them on the road all week to Spokane and to here to there, you know, there's a point where. That's not a good business move because this is my this is my most valuable asset. And I want to make sure that I'm getting the most out of my valuable assets. So really, you know, we all start we all got to do the grind. And then, you know, those guys that get to have those kind of schedules it's because they earned it It's because they did the grind until they got to that level to where like, OK, we're going to protect you now as one of our top assets. Now we only need you here. And again, you know, back in the day, I might see Ric Flair on television every Saturday night but I never saw him wrestle on Saturday night. Mm -hmm. You hardly ever saw the champ wrestle on television, you know? So I think there's something to that. You know, you overexpose a guy, it's not special. If I see him every week, it's not special. So I think there's, you know, creatively it makes sense. And from a business point, it makes a lot of sense.
1: Gotcha. That makes sense. Uh, Let me ask you a question. Uh, Out of all the companies that you've worked for,
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Who do you feel like treated the character Austin Aries like the superstar that you feel like? <laughs>
0: uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, mean, I mean, listen, I mean, you know, TNA put their title on me multiple times. Ring of Honor put their title on me multiple times. I mean, you know, that that helped kind of establish me as a top yeah, guy. Um, you know, and listen, at the end of the day, I mean... It's not real. And when I say it's not real, I mean, like, you know, just cause I'm, you know, as I said earlier, there's a dozen guys that could, that are at the same level as far as a performer that we could make the champion that could be the champion. Right. So, you know, um, are we superstars? Are we this big deal? I mean, it's, you know, it's, uh we're in it, we're in this bubble this made up bubble. That's not real. Right. It's, it's, it's fictitious land, but yet somehow we walk around like, You know, like it's reality and it's, you know, I've had I've had a I've had a kind of a bit of an awakening the last few years as I kind of stepped out of the wrestling bubble for the first time in my adult life. And I completely disconnected from it. And I had to figure out who Daniel was. Right. Not Austin Aries. Got to think at 22 years old, who knows who they are as a person? We're still trying to figure that out. Now you get in this world where you get to take on this persona and right you get to play this character and then you start getting notoriety and making money and fame and ooh, now you start really believing it oh i'm austin aries i'm oh i'm the champion of this i'm austin aries i'm a, i'm a world champion i'm a superstar man are you i mean are you really <laughs> right so right. you know me stepping away from wrestling a few years ago was like my first opportunity to go well, wait a second if or when all that goes away who's daniel right? Who, who's that guy? What's that guy about? What motivates that guy? What what lights that guy up? What's important to that guy? And it's allowed me to see wrestling in a much different light, um, which has been very helpful as I've returned uh, to this, to, to do it a little differently and put things in a little better perspective. So, um, you know, at the end of the day, I've been very grateful for the opportunities I've been given. And, you know, most of the companies. I've been very grateful that most of the companies that I've been a part of have all treated me very well and given me opportunities to, to be valuable for that company. And that's really what it's about. You know, where, where can I bring value? How how can I be most valuable for my team? You know, is it is it, you know, is it sitting on the bench and being a good cheerleader? You know, there's guys like that too sometimes. That that 12th guy on the bench, you know, Milwaukee Bucks. You know, they got they got Giannis's brother, Thanasis, sitting there in the last bench seat. Why? Because he's great in the locker room, he's great for their superstar. He's not out there to put up 20 points and 10 rebounds, you know? So I think it's about understanding, like, there's different ways to be valuable to the team. It doesn't always have to be as the guy getting his arm raised in the main event. That's the spot we all want to get to, sure. But there's so many other places we can be valuable uh, in this business. So, um, you know, just figure out where your value is and and focus on the value and everything else will come, I believe.
2: (laughs) And to that comment of everyone wants to get to the main event and have their hand raised and be the guy, not everyone has the ability to sustain that level to being the guy. Like we can all get there. Like you said, we can all get there. But can you continue to be that guy? Because there's always someone that's either better or it's just as good, but has something different to offer. Mm -hmm. Um, So in in the times of your career from different companies, outside of being the technician that you are, one of the greatest wrestlers out there. What, what more did you see that you had to offer instead of being the guy that can get in the ring with
0: anybody? Well, no, but I think that is that is the best thing you can offer, is a guy who can get in the ring with anybody. And I think one thing that I prided myself on is you can put me in the opener and I can give you that X Division fast Cruiserweight style match. You can put me in the main event with a guy that's hundred pounds bigger than me. And I can give you a match that feels like a main event feel match. I can do a comedy match. I can do a blood, I can do a, a bloody match. You know, I quit match. You know, I, I was proud of myself on on having range as a performer and not, oh, I can only do this. I can only do tag wrestling. You know, I can only, only do comedy. I can only do flips and in, in hurricanes. Mm. You know, uh, when I was training, I, don't think I realized yet how you know small I was in the business, but I just remember not wanting to learn leg scissors takeovers or hurricanas. Cause like I was like, I don't want to be pigeonholed as a cruiserweight. Like I'm a wrestler, right? And so the guys I watched, you know, the, the dynamite kids and the Chris Benoit's and the Chris Jericho's and the Eddie Guerreros, yeah, they weren't the biggest guys, but goddamn, they work like they were. And yeah. so those were the influences on me to say, well, that's what I want to be like too. I want to be like, because all I have to do as a performer in this business when I step in the ring is I have to create just a little bit of doubt or a little bit of belief, right? What I mean by that is if I step in the ring with Samoa Joe, they're gonna look, and for just a moment, I have to make them believe, you know, he's not the biggest guy, but I don't know. I don't know, man. Like look at that look in his eyes. You know, look look at look at that, look at that explosiveness, right? Just to, I think I whooped that guy's ass, but I'm not sure. I'm not sure I want to try them. That's all you got to do. And it's just about the way you carry yourself. It's about the energy you carry yourself with. It's about presence. It's so one thing it's like I try to tell guys. It's about anything else than having a presence and the way you carry yourself, you know? And so if you want to be a top guy and you want to be a guy that is believable to step in the ring with a guy that's much larger than you or, or better than you or faster than you or more technical than you, then you have to find something in you that makes the people believe for just just a little bit. I think that guy can do it you know and so that's that's what i was trying to do you know make him believe just a minute yeah he's not the biggest guy but i don't think i'd fuck with him (laughs) (laughs) excuse my language
1: oh no no you're You're fine man Uh, i got i got a question about um you know it seems like you've, you've really made some lifestyle choices Mm-hmm. uh for, for your mental health, for your physical health, I know one of the things that you are known for—you uh, are the the vegan vigilante in a lot of ways. Yeah. <laughs> you know what yeah. I'm saying? Uh, talk yeah. about veganism real quick and uh, how turning vegan um, changed some things in your life.
0: Yeah, man. Uh, we said really quickly. If you know me, that's
1: not a that's not a quick. Nah, go ahead, bro. Take your time. But so. <laughs>
0: So when people hear veganism, they think it's a diet choice, right? They think veganism is about not eating certain foods. And veganism really at its core is about the choice of every every living being that we meet, every, every living entity, sentient being that feels, that thinks, that has a thought, has an emotion. When we come in contact with it, we have the opportunity to do one of two things. We can bring it pleasure or we can bring it pain, right? We can, we can, we can add to its joy or to its suffering. So veganism at its core is just the decision that I made that I don't want to be contributing to the suffering, to the abuse and to the slaughter of other living creatures that think and feel like I do and animals think and feel like I do. And I wouldn't want to, I wouldn't want to, abuse and and slaughter my dog why then is it okay if it's instead of a dog it's a pig it's okay to uh, contribute to the abuse and the slaughter of a pig because it tastes good doesn't really taste good you know if meat tasted good we just boil it in water and eat it right but we don't we we spice it we sauce it we rub it right like it's the flavors we put on the meat so the meat And then again, it's not about a necessity, then that's just a choice for your taste buds because I'm living proof you don't need to eat animals to survive. I haven't had an animal in over 20 years, 23 years now, no animals. I haven't died yet. I haven't withered away. I haven't, you know, had protein and malnutrition, you know, deficiency. So, but veganism isn't about the diet. It's about going through my life, consciously making a decision and being aware of what I'm contributing to in this world and saying, you know what? I can do better and I don't want to contribute to the suffering of other things that feel pain. Now, by proxy, that means I don't eat them because that's what we do in this society, right? Mm -hmm. But I even go a step further, you say, how does that help me? Well, the old adage is you are what you eat, right? We've all heard that phrase. Mm -hmm. So we all agree like everything's made of energy, right? And emotion (laughs) emotion is energy, right? And you can feel the difference of energies like anger and fear and sadness and depression and stress. Like those are very dense, heavy energies. And then like joy and happiness and laughter and love. Those are these high vibrational energies up here, right? Mm -hmm. Well, now you are what you eat. Now think of the life of that animal, that short life of that animal is spent here. It's in fear terror stress anger it knows what's going to happen to it it's being led to slaughter it knows what's happening around it so that energy that low vibrational dense energy is trapped in that being gets slaughtered and now you eat that as nourishment so you are what you eat you're eating low vibrational energy fruits high vibrational energy it's the direct transfer from the sun drops offers itself up. Nothing had to die. You eat the flesh, you spit the seed and more fruit grows. I really believe after 20 years of really intensely looking into all these different things, we're meant to be fruit eaters, man. You know, we don't look like lions and tigers. We look like gorillas. Gorillas are frugivores. There's nothing about our skills that say we're carnivores, hunters. If I put you in the middle of a field, and it's just your hands and your feet you have no weapons you have no tools you've got no fire it's just what i put you naked drop you naked and you got to eat what are you equipped what are you equipped to eat think about it so you're in this field there's there's rabbits and there's all these animals there's fruit and berries and bananas and there's so now you got to eat. Well, what do we have? What, what are we going to eat? What are, we, are you going to go catch a rabbit barehanded, sink your teeth into it, and eat it raw? Because that's what carnivores do. We're it depends
1: on how them. hungry <laughs> I am. Right, but, if you, but, but
0: let me ask you this: if you if you see some if you see some, I, almost, I was going to say watermelons. If you see some watermelons, see some bananas, see some berries, or are you going to chase a rabbit around? What even sounds? What sounds more appetizing? Breaking open a watermelon and eating that, or grabbing a rabbit, ripping its fur off, and eating it raw? Like what sounds tasty?
2: Definitely the water.
1: I don't know, man. I'm from the country. I've had some good ass rabbit stew before, so yeah, I, you man. know. <laughs>
0: but Brian, but Brian, you said rabbit stew, which means it was cooked, yeah. which means it was spiced, which means you had all these other flavors in it. I'm talking about catching a rabbit with your bare hands, sinking your teeth into its jugular to kill it. And then, yeah. and, then eat, and then eating it, ripping this fur off and eating it, because that's what carnivores do, bro. Mm-hmm.
1: I got I got your point here. <laughs> the,
0: the, you know, the funny thing is, if there's any if there's any creatures that we're equipped to catch and eat, it's bugs. And I know everyone freaks out, and I'm not I'm not saying we should eat bugs. You know, I'm not about that. But if you think about it, we can catch ants, right? Right. So mm-hmm. it's. I always go back to the law of nature because we can we can go back and forth about studies and statistics and and we know at this point I can I can make a study tell me anything I want it to tell me right whatever studies you show me one I'll show you the opposite. So I always go back to like nature because nature doesn't lie. So I talk about milk like this, you know, we've been told milks is perfect food. Is there any other animal on the planet that drinks milk after it's a baby milks for babies guys. Milk is designed for babies. Every species, mother, makes milk for their baby. And then once the baby is old enough to eat food, they stop drinking milk. Except one species decides to keep drinking milk its entire life. And then it's not even its own milk. They go and drink the milk of another animal altogether. And that's humans. And we wonder why we have cancer and disease. You're drinking milk growth hormone for cows as an adult. If milk was the perfect food, you don't think some other animal in this world would have figured it out and would still be consuming milk as an adult? We're just so smart. We're so smart, but we're the only species riddled with depression, anxiety, fear, obesity, <laughs> heart disease, cancer. But we're the smartest ones. We're the smartest ones because we figured out Fruit Loops is what we're supposed to eat, right? <laughs> I mean, guys, you know, again, this it's... To me, it's it's so fucking clear. I think if you want to keep if you want to keep humans in this low vibrational state, you want to keep them infighting, you want to keep them slaughtering each other, well, the easiest way to do it is feed them death every day and convince them it's good for them. Look around the world, man. We're supposed to be living in, in harmony with nature. Yeah, we're the top of the food chain, but we're supposed to be living in harmony with nature. Every other animal lives in harmony. Yes, there's killing, there's a food chain, but no other animal ever kills more animals than it could possibly eat. No other animals kill for fun, right? That's us. You know, there's no other, there's no like gorilla in nature that stockpiles, he's stockpiling bananas behind him, right? He's just piling up bananas, more bananas than he could ever eat in a lifetime. Just piling bananas, huge pile of bananas, and just guarding his bananas. And any other gorilla that gets close to his pile of bananas, that he'll never eat. He'll never eat all the bananas, but he will not give any of these bananas. He's guarded with his life, right? If we <laughs> found it, if we found a gorilla like that in nature, we would want to study it and go, well, what, what's wrong with it? That's that's an anomaly. That's weird, right? But if a human does that with money, we put him on Time Magazine and we call him Man of the Year. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Mm, we're we're,
0: we're greedy we're greedy as fuck look around it's greed (laughs) right we don't all animals in nature i watched it it's funny my 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 aunt likes to feed um the squirrels peanuts and and the crows figured it out so now the crows start hanging out because they want some peanuts too and i watched this man handful or two handfuls of peanuts they don't fight over the peanuts they each kind of take what they need they leave the, the you know two different species that they, they're sitting i'm watching squirrels and crows just hanging out next to each other and they're cool because they're like i got my peanuts over here you take a couple over there and and they're good but if that was humans mm. they'd be beating the shit out of each other to take all the peanuts for themselves call it, call it, call it black friday right
1: yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so yeah yes. man, I, yes. I, I i i go through life and i and so To answer your question, to finish answering your question, what did that do for me, it made me take a real hard look at the things that I was taught and told as a kid and realize that my whole life has been a lie built on top of lies, built on top of lies, built on top of lies. How far back the lies go? I don't know, but what I do know is the things that we've been told now is not the truth from our healthcare system, to our education system, to what we eat, all of it, it's a lie. It's all a fucking lie and it's meant to divide us. It's meant to dehumanize us and disconnect us from our true powers, humans. Our source, our third eye. Connect to this. To you know what I'm saying. To, to you call it source power. You call it God. You call it whatever you want. We're powerful beings, but when you calcify the pineal gland, and when you when you convince us we're supposed to be eating decayed animals as our nutrition, when you convince people that you know that it's just business right that there's no there's no amount good enough there's no amount of money good enough the house is never big enough the cars never new enough or fast enough you know they need a new pair of shoes right that's all conditioning man That shit's not real and what and where's it gotten us are we are we in a, in a happy are we and we in a happy society are we in a happy world we've been given all we've been given everything we need here to be living in utopia think about it, when you go on vacation When you think of paradise, what's paradise? It's the part of earth that humans haven't fucked up yet. That we haven't raped and pillaged, that we haven't knocked all the trees down and built some Walmart, right? That's when we go on vacation, we go go to escape all the shit we've done. We have all the resources on this planet where everyone could eat, everyone could have, everyone could be living comfortable, happy lives as communities. But somewhere along the way, certain people took control of the knowledge, and now they want to control the rest of the people by misinforming them and lying them again. How, how do a very few group of people control eight billion? Anyway, Absolutely. I digress, guys. Sorry.
1: <laughs> no, you. No, oh, no, no. Hey, go, go ahead. I was gonna give you the platform yeah, to say whatever you yeah, want. What yeah, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah, man. Hey,
2: look, and, and, and that sideways into my next question. When you say control, let's talk yeah. about controlling your narrative. Yeah. where we, you and I met, uh, yeah. had an opportunity to talk to you and, and, and get some advice from you. You could say, able to watch Mr. Everything, Victor Andrews come the father of the narrative. Um, mm-hmm. Where was your mindset in terms of the direction of what you wanted out of Control Your Narrative and all the guys that had the opportunity to come out there and work with you, EC3, Adam Share, uh, oh. and a lot of some of the bigger, bigger top names?
0: Yeah, I mean, I just, you know, it was an interesting concept and I was just kind of following along. Again, I was, you know, I was down in Mexico for a year. I was kind of completely disconnected from wrestling. But, you know, I worked with uh, EC3, obviously in TNA, had known him, always got along with him well. was kind of following along with what he was doing. And when I got back here to Orlando area, I just kind of reached out and said, Hey man, I, you know, kind of dig what you're doing. And if there's anywhere you think I could bring some value, you know, let me know. I'd be interested in trying to kind of of work, work, work my way back in a little bit. And um, yeah, it was a cool concept. I, you know, I just think it was one of those where it was never really meant to be a promotion. I don't think it was more of an idea and a concept. Mm -hmm. And so it kind of, then you get a bunch of cooks in the kitchen and then people start seeing things and everybody wants a piece of it and everyone's going different directions and, you know how it is man this you know it's wrestling business so you know listen we caught lightning in the bottle it was, it was a good little run we had a lot of fun met a lot of cool people did some good stuff you know those seminars that we were running i thought we really were touching people you know really really diving into their motivation and who they were as human beings and not so much as pro wrestlers and i and so i took a lot of value from that and um yeah and i'll take a lot of credit for it for it uh you know completely failing you know because you know, once I got on board, the you old know, canceled lost Aries over here. Man, when I when they man when they announced <laughs> that I was a part of it, they like fucking trended on Twitter like four or five times that day. Everyone's like losing their mind. I was like, Jesus, oh, yeah. yeah. I guess I still move the needle, you know. Guys, <laughs> <laughs> I, I haven't wrestled in two years. I've still get more heat than anybody in the business. What the hell's going on? All because, <laughs> all, because all because I don't want to listen to a bunch of strangers about shooting some experimental, uh, solution into my arm. I don't know. Everyone hates me for that. And, you know, I don't know if you guys have kind of looked around, but I might've been right.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think you got a, you got a, a lot of flack on some of your views, man. And, oh, yeah, uh, man. and I think that that's the reason why you had this, uh, I wouldn't say reputation, but, uh, you were known to kind of rattle some cages backstage um and and not always uh viewed favorably in the locker rooms you know what i'm saying but i see you now and i and i'm listening to you talk man you have a a really positive vibe and energy about you and maybe there's been some change over the years what what do you want uh people to know about you as an individual and then even uh your character austin Aries? what what do you Want people to see about who you are now.
0: Austin Aries is an asshole, <laughs> right? Right. Austin Aries is a persona, and is a character, right? Now, are are there some parts of Austin Aries that come from Daniel? You know, sure, sure. But you know, it's funny because you said what you said about the locker room is as I've been back in these shows and doing independence and stuff. I haven't felt it. Mm. You know, I read it, and people read it, but when I'm actually there, it's the exact opposite. And Mister Everything, you can—I mean, y- your opinion—you you shared locker rooms with me. You saw—you know—I interacted, I saw interactions. I never felt—I never felt that coming from anybody. Um, mm. So I think you know what we have to realize is Twitter's not real. Dirt sheets. Our dirt sheets, that's not real. It's not the truth, right? If it's coming on your screen, you know, it's entertainment. And when you break right. down the word entertainment, enter. Tain means uh, control. Mente, mind, entertainment, enter to control the mind. So mm. we watch things, we read things, we hear things, and then we take from that and go, well, that must be true. That's reality. And it's just not, it's not reality. And so there's a lot of people that hate Austin Aries. Um, and, and for sometimes good reason, because for a lot of my career, that's what I was trying. I was trying to invoke the emotion of, di- of you not liking me. I mean, that was as a heel. My job is when I walk out the curtain, I, I don't want you to be indifferent. I want you to have a strong reaction. Either. I love that motherfucker or fuck that guy. But anything in the middle doesn't make me money, and right. I think you know. At least for me, it's been much harder in life to make everybody like me than it is to make everybody dislike me. And <laughs> then when you see when you when you see the world differently, when you challenge the the narrative, when you challenge conventional wisdom, when you say no, that's wrong, that does ruffle feathers does because ruffle feathers. now people start going well, questioning their belief system. And now when you make people start questioning their belief system, that makes them uncomfortable. They start pushing back on you, right? And so, you know, I think that there's a part of that. Now, that being said, I'm an emotional cat, man. I'm a passionate, emotional guy. That has worked in my favor and made me a very good performer. And sometimes that's worked against me in the back and dealing with the ups and downs of pro wrestling. Sometimes letting my emotion get the better of me, right? Sometimes let my passion get the better of me. And maybe not handling situations as diplomatically as I could have. But that's part of my growth process. You know, I'm not going to apologize for being fiery. I'm not going to apologize for being passionate. I'm not going to apologize for giving a fuck. Because that is, you ask like, what do you want people to know about me? One of my favorite sayings is, nobody cares how much you know until they know how much you care. And one thing about me is I, I passionately care about what's happening around me not just to me, but to the people around me too. And I don't want to change that because it, because I think that's a beautiful quality to have, but it can get you in trouble. Sometimes it can get you in trouble sometimes because you know, this wrestling business hasn't always been run by the most upstanding, ethical, you know, people full of integrity. I think we can all, if we look back in the history, I think we can all agree on that, that this can be a seedy and a shady business. If I'm the guy who pushed back against that and said, no, that's not right. No, that's bullshit. Does that make me the bad guy? If I was saying, no, we shouldn't treat people like that. We shouldn't take advantage of people like that. We we should pay for their health insurance. We should make sure they get a, 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 a bed to sleep in tonight instead of packing 12 guys into a hotel room. Does that make me the bad guy? If you're He's if you're the villain, it. if you're if you're the villain, if you if you if you're being positioned as the in the villain, in an industry full of villains,
1: real villains, yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: Maybe it's because I pushed against it and said, "No, nah, man, this shit ain't right. We need to do better." And now maybe I didn't always do it the right way. Maybe I wasn't always diplomatic, right? Maybe the passion got the best of me. Maybe the fire got the best of me. Absolutely, I'll own that. But you know, I don't, th- I think, you know, I'm not, 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 I think I know at my core, like Daniel is a good person, genuinely cares about people, what's going on around him, wants to help people, wants to help people in the wrestling industry, wants to help people outside the wrestling industry. Um, and we'll also, will will speak truth to power. We'll stand strong in the face of adversity and we'll stand up for what he believes in right or wrong. You know, um, and so with that, you know, you're not, you're, you're going to make a lot of friends. You're going to make some enemies too. And you got to take the good with the bad.
2: Yeah, I so, definitely agree with uh, that. Real quick, real quick question. You talk about in terms of helping people in the industry, are you currently training anyone or would you be uh, open to doing
0: any type of is like running a school for yourself? Right. I've, I've read a couple schools. I don't know that I have interest in that. But a concept I have been developing, and I haven't rolled out yet, but I might be doing next year, is is kind of doing more of an agency. I feel like there's really not much representation for wrestlers in the business. You've got Barry Mm -hmm. Bloom. You have Bill Mm Barons, And that's really about it. And so I think that I can be more beneficial to take guys who've already been trained And more, you know, looking for guys that I think have real potential, guys and girls who have real potential that want to make money in the business and saying, cool, let me put you under my agency. Let me help finish you. Let me help you in in these areas to take you to the next level. Let me help use my contacts, my knowledge, my experience, maybe be able to negotiate with promoters because I'm not afraid to tell the guy, no, that's wrong. No, we're not going to do that, right? It's, It's a landmine, dude. You know. It's a landmine mm-hmm. trying to navigate this and deal with promoters and, and money and this and that, and where do you get good training? And you know, wh- so that would interest me more than running a school because of running a school. The problem with the school is now I'm focused on, I got to get another student. Oh, I need more students. Only way I make money is I need more students. So now I'm running a fast food joint, uh, more students. I need, another- so now I'm, I'm more focused on more students than about helping the people I have. But in my concept, mm-hmm. if I'm working off a percentage and you're my and you're my client, I'm focused on you making money because when you make money, I make money. It's not about getting right. another client. It's about I want Mister Everything to get a million dollar contract with WBE because I'm going to get my ten percent and then I get paid. And I think that's missing think in I, wrestling. I think it's missing I, in wrestling, and I, and I think that I'm a guy that's uniquely qualified to do it because one thing is everybody knows Austin Aries is a straight shooter. And you, and you and you're not gonna bullshit me. Mm. And I think that's good quality to have as far as, as far as trying to lead other people and, and, and try to help them navigate this world of pro wrestling.
2: So somebody, somebody hand me a pen real quick. I need a
0: yeah. pen. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
2: <laughs> I like that. I like that. And I do appreciate you 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 uh saying that. And really quick, I want to introduce you to our other guest that we have up here, uh, other co-hosts. We have Chef Showtime, he's our uh resident chef, he does all the cooking. He's he's amazing. Oh man, in terms of his sorry, skin. bro. And sorry about my whole, my
0: whole rant on food, man. It's all good. <laughs> You're good. You're like, oh, You're right I'm, I'm rethinking my whole life choices. Chef's up there, like, oh man, I gotta rethink my whole life choices right now. Like, animals I can't
1: cook good. bacon no more.
0: Man, animals aren't food. Everyone's like, Is it so hard? Like, isn't it hard as like, is it hard not to eat your cat? But you get home, you're like, ah, some barbecue sauce.
1: Yeah. That might be good. I don't know. I've had some Chinese food that I looked at, yeah. and I was like, mm, I don't know if that's
0: yeah. chicken yeah. or not. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: Hey, uh, we also have a yeah. uh, fellow wrestler, Steven Meeks, in the building. Uh, Steven, do you have a, a question for our esteemed guest?
3: Uh, I've just been kind of taking notes and just enjoying the conversation. You guys uh, get a free we, seminar here, Stephen. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, we uh, we met uh, before actually at a CYN event in yeah. Goldsboro, North Carolina, with Mister mm-hmm. uh, Everything, and uh, I just I I was a big like. I had a very pleasant Austin Aries interaction and I I enjoyed my time with the, in the CYN locker room. So I can attest to that. And I just really resonated with your story, man, uh, coming from like kind of middle-class living and just kind of wanting, not even really wanting better, but just wanting different, you know what I'm saying? I think that that was really cool. Uh, I love the, uh, um, yeah, like I said, like you said, just free seminar. Uh, I I think in like my short time, like I I just really agree with with your point of view and like agree t- to the statement of like doing the drives and like you know I'm far from being like the best in my area, but like I I like to travel and learn from other people and and yeah. I think I think wrestling is kind of this weird like multiverse and there's different flavors of ice cream regionally sure. you know that that are more over and it's cool to like. You know, fortunately, I've been able to go to to wrestle in West Virginia and North Carolina and Colorado. And I've noticed like, you know, like the culture, culture, there's cultural differences and, uh, you sure. know, like uh, yada, yada, yada. But, yeah, I've just, I just I like like you said, I'm just here for the for the free seminar. And I, I just, <laughs> I, I, you know, I, I'm yeah. Thank you for having me, guys. Yeah, man, for sure.
1: I have a question.
3: Yeah.
2: If you, you had. had some- one last match, with yeah. anybody from the past
0: or present, Ooh. any type of match. Who would it be? It's a tough one. You know, my, my answer usually is it doesn't matter as long as Bobby Heenan is my manager. Okay, yeah, yeah. Because Heenan is one of my one of my favorite performers. Uh, you know, very underrated, I think. Um, man, I'm one of those guys that doesn't have like a favorite anything. I mean, I could I could probably name like. 10 guys, if I could have, you know, Eddie Guerrero, that'd be awesome. Yeah. But wrestling Mr. McMahon would be awesome too. Like, is there been a better, better character in the last, you know, 30 years of wrestling than Mr. McMahon, you know, a better heel, right? You know, Ric Flair, I grew up watching the guy, right? I mean, so I mean, I could give you so many answers, you know, it's just, uh, it's so hard to pick one, you know? Um, it is funny though. I, uh, I was thinking it was some, some, something popped up on my phone uh, about the, all the different final battles and I was thinking, man, next year, 2024, it's going to be 20 years since Final <laughs> Battle 2004. And, man, how cool would it be to be do me and Samoa Joe Final Battle Ring of Honor 2024, 20 years after the fact? Maybe for the title? Nice. I mean, I think there'd be some interest in that match. Take my money. Right? Yeah, well, take you my guys, money now. Listen, I don't know. I don't I don't know if Tony Khan's taking my my telephone calls or not. So you guys gotta do the work here. We need the fans to
1: do the work. Yeah. <laughs> but, well in, in that same vein, um, you had you had a stint in WWE. Yeah. Um, and you were in the cruiserweight division. And it was interesting to see uh your views on how to make the product that in team that you're with um to to be able to elevate them right you mentioned that um a little bit earlier with the early ring of honor um maybe uh the x division um and then you know um the cruiserweight division for wwe uh what what is it what does it mean to kind of elevate a promotion and try to fight for something and fight for the guys in the locker room that you want to elevate and bring up uh where you might not be getting as many eyes as the as the other talent i'm not sure i understand the question can
0: you re-
1: yeah so it for instance, yeah you, you really advocated for for bringing up like the cruiserweight division right yeah. and you wanted to have more uh more eyes on what you guys were doing for the cruiserweight yeah, division yeah. at the time um can you talk about that that struggle of, of trying to uh, convince the higher-ups that, hey, we need more TV time so we can show what we can really do?
0: Yeah. Well, so, Brian, it, it really was – it wasn't me wanting to do that. I was basing it off of what they were telling us, right? Okay. And what, what they told us is we want to do this 205 Live concept. We want it to be its own brand. We want it to be touring. We want it to be its own entity that can sell out, you know, sell house shows and do this. Okay, great. If that's what you really want to do and you really mean that, well, then here's things that we can do that will help accomplish that. One of them is, hey, how about have some merchandise for the 205 Live guys? That would be helpful. How about don't? How about don't put one of the best matches on WrestleMania on the pre-show? Not because I give a fuck, because I walked, in, I walked out in front of 70,000 people either way. But if you want people, to, if you want to elevate the 205 Live brand, then putting our match on the main card does that. So it wasn't about me or it wasn't about Neville. It was about if you want to elevate the brand, then put us in a place in the card that says, oh, this is valuable because fans are smart, right? Right. If you put right. So where you put us positions on a card will matter to the fan. It will tell them how important we are or are not. Just little things like that, man. You know, I thought intermingling more with some of the other super, we were doing the raw shows. Well, why not? I had an idea of just like passing the hallway, like with Chris Jericho and he looks at my silly fuzzy jacket and he's got his dumb jacket on. We just kind of cross in the in the back. We just kind of stop and look at each other. And he's like, Nice jacket, man. I'm like, Yeah, you got a good jacket. And that's it. Because oh my God, Chris, it's like we existed, like it was like we were on we were on Raw, but we existed in a different universe where none of the actual raw stars on Raw ever saw us or we never interacted with them. So I just thought it was like little things like that. If you want to, if you really if you want to do what you say you want to do. Then here's things we can do. It wasn't about for me or, or me wanting to do it. I was happy to, hey, what do you guys want to do? Well, then here's here's how I think we can do that. Right. It's just small things like that, you know?
1: Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I like that. Um so look, what's what's next for Austin Marys, man? What's what's next for you in general? Uh, what are some of the projects and things that you're working
0: on? Oh man. Well, I just, I just, you know, I did, I did three months in India earlier this year, um, which was a great experience. Yeah. It was, was, it was awesome. Um, As far as, as far as wrestling, you know, I just, I'm not sure. It's so hard, man. Like what's going to happen in the world in the next year or two. Right. Like I think, I think, I think 2024 could could bring some, uh, some things that are going to be a little unpleasant for us. You know, uh, we've had we've had our bit of a reprieve in our break from 2020 shenanigans, and now I think they're ready to ramp up uh phase two of their of their plan, right? And so talk about
2: it.
0: <laughs> you know, so I think I think there's that. Um as far as just wrestling shows, uh let's see. January, I will be going back to Vancouver uh up there for a show. Um I'm heading back to I'm heading back to Utah in in February and I guess I could break the news here a little bit, but I'll be actually uh, putting on my first wrestling show uh, February 3rd in Florida. Uh, I will be uh, co-promoting with uh, w- with someone else. Um, it's called Pro Wrestling Resurrected. And uh, I'm excited to kind of step on the other side of the curtain and try my hand. I've obviously had a, a lot of opinions over my years on, on the right way to do things. And so now here's my opportunity to, uh, to try to do that. And... Um, You know, I'm just going to focus on putting on a good, solid night of pro wrestling entertainment. Um, I'm not worried about, at least initially, I'm not worried about streaming. I'm not worried about, you know, the the internet fan base. I'm worried about putting on a great show for Crestview, Florida and that market. And we'll go from there. And um, so that'll be February 3rd. So we'll be gearing up for that. And then I think we're going to be running shows like about every six weeks. I'd like to do, uh, we have the first three locked in so we can do some storyline stuff. And, um, and just kind of dip my toe in that, you know, as, as I'm getting a little up there in age, I got to be a little mindful of the wear and tear on my body. Uh, you know, I'm, and, and so starting to do some things behind the scenes interests me. It was a good opportunity. And so, uh, getting excited for that. And, um, and then who knows, man, who knows, you know, I, I'm, I'm always looking, f- I'm always looking for good opportunities I'm really trying to find good indie promotions around the country, a good like half dozen that I can kind of be on a loop. I don't want, I don't like doing one-offs, you know, the money grabs, you go in, you make a bunch of money and you don't come back for three, four years. It's fine. But I want to do something where I can actually work programs with some guys, help elevate guys, help, you know, teach some of the younger men and women in the locker room. And then actually like pass the torch to whoever their guy is, as I'm on my way out the door. I think there's just more value in using me that way, you know? And, uh, and so that interests me. So I found a couple of good spots. I've been doing some stuff in uh, in, in uh, Panama Beach with XIW. Um, you know, I got this stuff out in in uh, Utah, and um, you know, just looking for looking for some good promotions to kind of call home. And then, you know, always uh, always keep my ears open to any bigger opportunities as far as you know national promotions, television, you know, companies, things like that. And uh, if the fits right, then uh, you know, who knows? Who knows what could happen.
1: So are you saying that we might possibly, if there's a call, see you in a bigger promotion such as uh, AEW or WWE? If the phone rings, will you pick up?
0: Always pick up the phone if it rings, yeah. <laughs> you always. You always have the conversation. You know, I just, you know, the, the fit would have to be right. I'll be honest. I haven't been... I haven't been super motivated to get back to that schedule. I've been enjoying my life, man. And I think one thing is, you know, sometimes we get so caught up on the destination that we're trying to reach. You know, the place we're trying to get to is we don't enjoy the journey of how we're getting yeah. there. And so you know, the last couple of years, you know, after after the, the, the COVID uh, uh, debacle, I'll call it, And seeing how quickly things can change and seeing how quickly they can put their thumb on you and say, no, you don't travel. No, you don't do this. No, you don't open your business. No, you don't go outside. Right. Right. I had a shift in my mentality. What am I focused on? See, there's no guarantee I'm going to reach retirement age, right? There's no guarantee Mm -hmm. any of us reach retirement age. So I've been really, I've been trying to find that balance of, I want to enjoy today, man. I want to like, when I wake up in the morning, my job first and foremost Enjoy today, because it could be the last day. It really could be, and so that's the last couple of years how I've been living my life. I've been doing a lot of traveling. Spent a year in Mexico. I've been I spent time in Spain. I, I was in Saudi Arabia for a little bit. I actually did some wrestling there. You know, I spent uh, three months in India. Um, I've been trying to just enjoy my life. I got a, I got a sprinter van now. You know, got Dan in the van traveling around the country. You know, it's you know I, I got it set up so I can camp in there if I want to. Um, so yeah, man, let's bring the show on the road. You know, I'm, I'm developing some business ideas for next year. It's a concept I've had for a while. It's called Hungry to Change. Um, I'm going to put a program together to help teach people how to become better consumers when it comes to their food, how to buy h- how to buy higher quality food for less money, right? And so, and it's something that I can actually bring to people's homes. So in other words, you can hire Austin Aries. Well, not Austin Aries, cause you, you don't want that guy coming in your home. <laughs> you will be, be, be able to hire Daniel to, to come to your home, to g- give you a consultation to understand, like, you know, you want to change your diet. You want to get healthier. Okay, good. I'll walk you through the steps of how we do it. And I'm going to show you how you can save money while you do it. It's about being a savvy shopper. It's about understanding how the system is set up for you to fail and then how you can circumvent that. Guys, As the consumer, we hold the power. Okay. The most powerful vote that we make is not at any ballot box for any presidential candidate. It's the vote you make with your dollar bill. Every time you pull your dollar bill out and you pay for something you voted. Yes, that's good. So we got to learn how to stop voting for the shit. That's making us sick. That's making us stupid. That's making us brainwashed. We got to shut that shit out and we get, we take the power back as consumers. Become smart, savvy consumers because you are what you consume. And consumption to me is broken down in three areas. First, consumption is the things we put in our body, the things we eat, the things we put on our skin, under our arms, we brush our teeth with, we wash our hair. These things matter. They're toxic. They're full of chemicals. They're giving people cancer, ADD, ADHD, all these things. Look into it. So that's important to become a a high-level, elite consumer when it comes to that. The second thing we consume is who and what we listen to. Who do you trust? Who do you believe? Right? That consumption matters. What kind of music you listen to? What kind of entertainment you watch? Who you listen to? Who you believe? Who you trust? And then the third part of consumption is just stuff. The stuff we buy, right? Products, you know? So when we learn to level up and become elite level consumers, we can hack the system instead of being taken advantage of. We're going to take advantage of the system to make us healthier, to make us happier, to put more money in our pocket. I've been spending my last two decades really, really diving into this. It, it fires me up. And I want to now bring this information to everybody else so they can do the same things. And so that really, is if you can tell, I love wrestling. Wrestling's been very good to me. But this shit I'm passionate about because I've seen the change. Man, I've seen, I had a fan come up to me he told me, I went, you know what, I went vegan because of you, you're my favorite wrestler, I lost 200 pounds by changing his diet and lifestyle, and I realized the impact I can have, and I, and I say this, ma'am. and this is what I want to do with my wrestling promotion too, right, so you got to think about what we do as entertainers, people come in, they pay us money to forget about their problems for three hours. Right. That's what we want. We want to be distracted. We want to forget about the job or the wife or the whatever, the, the health problem. So for three hours, I give you my money so I can disconnect and forget about all the problems in my life. And when I leave, I have all the same fucking problems I have. when I walked in and when I was there, <laughs> I ate pizza. I was drinking soda. I had fucking candy. I exasperated the problems that I walked in with. And the promoters like great, because now next month, you're going to come to forget about your problems again. Well, fuck mm-hmm. that man. I don't want to help people forget about problems. I want to help people solve problems. That's what I want to do. I want to give people tools and information so that when they leave my show, that they're better off on Monday morning. They got a new tool in their pocket. Oh, I learned some breath. I learned this concept of breath work and how my breath can regulate my emotions. And I don't need it. I can get off those depression pills or the anxiety pills because I learned that my breathing can do that for me. Right? Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Austin, Austin Aries was talking about meditation. He actually had everybody meditate at his fucking wrestling show for five minutes. And now I use that. Now I got my temper starting to get under control, right? Oh, and I went to the, when I went to the, you know, Austin Aries show, we was eating this organic, all healthy food. And I, now I got three or four new food ideas I didn't know existed. See, it's great to help people forget about problems, but this platform as entertainers, man, could be so much more powerful if we give people and want to actually help them solve problems i want to help people get better so that's that's really where i'm at man and that's what i want to be doing and that's what i plan on doing uh next year and moving forward oh man I, I'm, I'm
1: i'm happy that you said that because that's the the whole platform of this show right we talk about uh real life and and, and the character of people and, and how to better yourself and we give motivation but we do it under the guise of wrestling you know yeah. and wrestling entertainment and i was telling stephen meeks you know that um we kind of <laughs> we kind of disguise uh our show as a way of being able to give information in, in a sense yeah. of way so stuff like this we love because it's teaching people how to live a better life and it's not just about wrestling it's about bettering yourself as a person and uh and being wise about uh, what you spend time on and what you spend time doing. Um, listen, we have this thing on the show that we do each and every week. Uh, it's a way for us to give motivation. It's a way for us to give a word for somebody, uh, for people to be able to get through their life. And you've dropped a lot of jewels and gems throughout this whole entire podcast, man. So it's kind of hard for you to it's hard hard for me to say, hey, go ahead, pick this one thing and make this your word or, or your, your uh, final word or word of motivation. But if you can give the people out of everything that you said tonight, um, if you can give people a word of motivation, a word to get through a hard time in their life. Yep. What is your final word?
0: You're more powerful than you know. Believe and trust in yourself stop being fooled into thinking that you need to outsource everything in your life to people who don't care about you you're enough you know it, it's it's this it's this theme I, I keep asking people when do we start listening to strangers why, why we listen to strangers and what do you mean by strangers politicians are strangers celebrities are strangers. The World Health Organization is a bunch of strangers. The CDC is strangers. The FDA is strangers. Fox News is strangers. CNN is strange. Those are all strangers. Dr. Fauci is a stranger. Why am I listening to strangers? No questions asked. Guys, I think the biggest conspiracy theory that people hold is that the people they listen to care about them and would never lie to them. Now, that's a conspiracy theory. That's some bullshit right stop listening to strangers and start listening to yourself stop looking for the answers externally and start finding them inside here and inside here
1: oh man love that that is a final word from the one and only austin aries thank you sir for that thank you Uh, thank you uh, let's go around the room real quick to get a final word, man. Let's go to uh, Mr. Stephen Meeks, man. Stephen Meeks, the Meek man. The Meek man. Do you have a final word or a word of motivation yeah, for the beautiful?
3: I team? wanted to, to kind of end this, like, highlight a couple things. Like, I really like what uh, what us what Daniel had said about uh, like how CYN like really gave back to people. Cause I feel like I personally like can attest to that. Like I attended the CYNA mail show and I attended a Scraps event and I felt like I really grew as a, as a performer. And I feel like EC3 really took the time to like speak words of encouragement into me. And it's like, I didn't, ha- he didn't have to do that. You know, I could have just paid like whatever, or like, I, I think the CYN, I think the Scraps events were free actually, but it's like, he could have just charged me my 30 bucks and you know, it ran a couple drills or whatever but I feel like he really like took his time to like to pour into me so to speak you know so I just wanted to say that uh I'm thankful for uh for like CYN and what it was and all that good stuff I, it, it you know I can I agree with you there and uh like just to kind of give like a little bit of backstory like when I had attended my first CYN AML event I was actually like living in my car at that moment so now to do this in my in my new home like for about a year now you know what I'm saying so it's like this is kind of like a really full circle moment you know what I'm saying and it's like I'm kind of just now putting it together and I just think uh this is really cool and uh you know it's like if I could give a word of encouragement it would be that if you're in a tough season right now uh you know uh, I'll just say it'll be funny later you know what I'm saying (laughs) like it's probably not too funny now like I know you're probably getting your ass kicked but it'll get funny like you know I think about like the time that I lived in my car and it's like well I got to attend a lot of cool wrestling events and I wasn't tied down to anything and I was able to (laughs) put it together enough to look professional and be a part of the CYN AML locker room and Mm. you know like all that good stuff and and I think I love like your mission statement, I, a big part of the Stephen Meeks brand is loving people through wrestling and like in the ring. And as a character, it's like it's me trying to hug my opponent or like it's like the hippie aesthetic or whatever. But like I really I really, you know, I'm I love the Lord. I know that that's kind of a hot take. Like I love <laughs> Jesus. I'm super thankful for for everything that he's done for me in my life. So it's like I just uh, yeah, I just I just think I, this was a really fun conversation. And uh, and yeah, if I could, it, if my word of encouragement is, it'll be funny. I promise, I like, it'll. I like it. I'll laugh about this, like it's. I unfair. like it.
1: I dig that. I dig that. Uh, where is coming from? Uh, the meek master, the meek man, <laughs> Stephen <laughs> Meeks. <laughs> oh man, chef showtime! Man, do you have a final word, a word of motivation, or words to the crew?
2: Now i don't have no final words or motivation. I have a a final question for Mister mm. Aries. For somebody that's starting out to starting to eat better, to eat yeah. healthier, to go to that like the vegan or vegetarian lifestyle, what would mm-hmm. be the go-to meal? Ask it from the you know resident chef.
0: <laughs> oh, man, this might this might be a better question to take offline because I could probably do a whole hour on this. It really is, you know. <laughs> Listen, I, I think that anyone who's trying to transition their their diet and their lifestyle, I always say to set yourself up for success. You're not going to go from eating ribs to kale salads overnight, right? There's a natural progression. Your taste buds have to adapt; they have to change. I, I I've really gotten away from a lot of like the fake burgers, like the Beyond Burgers or things like that. But those are great bridges to go from where you were to where you want to be. It's not it's not the end game. You don't want to be eating processed garbage processed foods, processed food, right? You know, so you, that's not where we want to end up, but it helps bridge you across there. Um, you know, what do you like to eat, man? What do you eat now? Like Everything. what's your, go-to, what's your, what's your go-to, like what, what's your, what's your go-to dish? Uh, my go-to dish is baked chicken. Okay. So you ever had, uh, have you ever had, uh, you like barbecue? Yeah. Yeah. So I just had some uh, barbecue jackfruit, right? It, it tastes like pulled pork. Okay. You would not even know the difference. So you use jackfruit to a meat barbecue jackfruit. Got to remember, it's about flavor profile, right? So I just did some uh, buffalo cauliflower wings in my air fryer. So instead of using chicken wings, because really, when we want chicken wings, we don't want the chicken or wing. We want the hot. We want the buffalo sauce, man. That's the flavor. That's what yeah. we're craving. I want the buffalo sauce? You put on you put on cauliflower, do buffalo cauliflower. So you okay. got to think. Of, so as a chef, you all know you know it's about building flavor profiles, right? So bacon, bacon's a very easy flavor to replicate. Liquid smoke, soy sauce, maple syrup. Boom, there's your marinade. Now you can marinate something in that and get that bacon flavor, right? So it's about building your flavors that you usually would build on a on a dead carcass, and then just building those flavors on something that didn't get slaughtered, you know, and and have its life you know, rip from it. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, man, you know, I, I, there's, we're very, we're very lucky. Everyone here that's watching this or on this, we're very lucky to live in a time and a place where we don't have to eat animals. There's some places in the world right now and, and that, that's not an option for some people. All of us here have the capability. It doesn't have to be expensive. Um, we just, it just takes a little bit of deprogramming and then reprogramming with new information oh man but yeah man like hey, uh, yo bro you can feel free uh after this or in, in the following days weeks bro you dm me uh, on the instagram and i and i'll get we'll get in depth and I'll, I'll help you out even more if you got some other specific questions bro all right thank you yeah man
1: oh man i mean uh, austin aries meal plan is in the works or something
0: <laughs> yeah man yeah we're gonna we're gonna get it we're gonna get it for people
1: yeah I dig that, man. Yeah. So,
0: so my concept and I real quick is I want to divide the foods into a color system, right? Make it easy for people. You think you think you're you think you're your stoplight green, yellow, red, right? And you kind of break foods down into one of those three categories. Green means, yeah, that's the stuff you want to eat. That, eat that. The yellow stuff's like, all right, be a little cautious with this. The red's like, yeah, hey, maybe you should stop and think about this. And then you got the black stuff, which is like, that's just, you're just trying to kill yourself. I don't know what the fuck you're doing. And so, and so I'm going to my, in, in my opinion, in my, in my studies, my estimation, I want to start breaking the foods down in these three categories so I can give this guide to people and they can look and have a general idea. Oh shit, I've been eating lots of red and black. And it's like, let's move it to the green and the yellow and start moving our diet this way a little bit at a time. Yeah. I
1: like that. So just eat green and yellow stuff. Keep it, that's it Keep that's it, set. it. <laughs> Yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, Mr. Everything, do you have a final
2: word or a final question
1: uh, for the beautiful people?
2: My final word is not for the beautiful people. My final word is for the beautiful man, Austin Aries. Austin Aries, you talk about not listening to strangers. Well, listen to Mr. Everything for one <laughs> moment this is what i want to give you an opportunity to make an impact by controlling your narrative and stepping in the ring of honor with mr everything victor andrews you don't have to be 205 but you do have to be able to bring everything that austin aries has ever stood for in terms of stepping in the ring when any competitor. He has ever stepped in the ring with. but this time, this moment, this chance to get an opportunity to step in the ring with somebody different, somebody new, the one Newly. and only, Mr. Everybody. <laughs> if you accept this challenge, Mr. Austin Aries, by the end of the night, I only want you to do one thing and one thing only, and I say my name loud, and proud, and with conviction. You don't want me to tell you the rest.
1: I'm about to say say the rest. I, I, I want
0: to see if you were brave enough to say it. this motherfucker just, like just cut a promo on me? He just cut a promo. I, 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 I almost feel like I have to retort, don't I? Go ahead. That's their yeah. promos. Let's go. Go at them. But not Daniel. You need Austin Aries to cut this motherfucking yeah. promo, right?
1: We need the God of War Austin Aries in this thing right now. Go
0: ahead. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Everything, right? Well, you know, in my history, my friend, if you're everything, you're nothing. And that's what you are. You're Mr. Nothing. But you wanna challenge me? You wanna step in the ring with me? What makes you think you have even earned the level of status it takes to get in the ring with a five-time world champion? You know, you think that you're Mr. Everything. Well, I'm Mr. Anything. You know what that means? When you step in the ring with me, I will do anything anything to win. Which is why I'm a five-time world champion, and you're a no-time world champion. Remember that. Woo! Woo! <laughs> you baby.
1: Took him to school, Jack. Took him to school. Oh, man. Uh- Hey man, we put that we put oh, that oh, on oh, the oh. hall of best damn promos. Yeah, <laughs> you. Oh man! Absolutely. Really? Absolutely.
2: Listen, listen. You have made so amazing, so much fun. Uh, you are now a part of our esteemed alumni of superstars. We've had on the show. We've had our yeah. We've had Ron Simmons. We've had Ricky Morton. Uh, and this goes on and on and on, EC3, yes, and I, now, you are now a part of the best dance
0: You nice. are welcome to
2: come back anytime. We appreciate you. We love
0: you. Thank you so much. Thank you, guys. It's a lot of fun. Appreciate it.
1: Oh, man. Well, listen, um, tell the people where they can find you on social media.
0: Oh, if you're still using that X thing, it's at Austin Aries. I do not have a blue check mark anymore because I refuse to pay for one. Uh, <laughs> and and uh, Instagram, which I uh, use a little more often, would be at Austin Healy Aries. And uh, that's really where I'm at mostly on the social media. Um, if you're interested in any of my uh, my book, Food Fight, you can still find copies of those at my Pro Wrestling T store, and uh, or you can always drop me a DM. And
1: uh, yeah, that's where I'm at. Oh man! So you guys make sure you go follow the one and only Austin Aries on social media. Steph, uh, showtime! Drop your social media, sir. Where can people find you? Uh, on Twitter, I
2: don't got the blue check either. <laughs> you can find me showtime. <laughs> you can find me on Facebook, Dante Carter, Twitch.
1: Dante Carter, or Showtime. That's where you can find me. Oh, man. Y'all make sure y'all go follow Chef Showtime on his social medias. Mr. Everything, what you got going on and where can the people find you?
2: Oh, man. So, real quick, I got a show coming up tomorrow night in uh, West Virginia. Uh, and then I would be wrestling in Arkansas, in Sherwood, Arkansas for Lit Wrestling on Saturday. Uh, and, of course, true. you guys can follow me on the TikTok uh official underscore mr everything or on instagram roosevelt conyers llc if you want to hit all my uh, social media stuff just go straight to my website rooseveltconyers llc.com and real quick Austin I can help you um in any way let me know i can connect you with some promoters i got a promoter out in charlotte as well ready to bring you in if you like uh um, i'll connect you with it. him i'll send his i'll send your email to him I- don't work with nobody that's not gonna really take care of you. So I'm not gonna send you no no jigaboos and no no yeah, promoters. So anybody, I appreciate it. if it's okay with you, I'll pass your email on to a couple of companies, and then you guys can kind of
0: coincide from there. Great! And then we'll, then we'll get to have this match, or maybe we'll we'll form a team, Mister Everything and Mister Anything. Every, Let's everything do it. and everything Let's and anything. Do it. Everything and anything. Honestly. Everything and anything <laughs> under the sun. Here we are. Yeah.
1: Take my Here money now.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Take not my money now. Just so you know, I'm Robert Gibson. You're Ricky Morton, which means I stand on the apron the whole match until you tag me. One move, double drop, kick, we're out of there. All right, kid?
1: That's us rock and roll, baby. <laughs> oh, man. So, y'all make sure y'all go follow Mr. Everything and everything that he got going on. Uh, I would love to see that tag team, man. That's money right there all day, every day. Put a stamp on it. Uh, Steven Meeks, the king of the Meek Freaks. Welcome, people. Find you and what you got going on
3: uh i'm on instagram at meeks wrestles everywhere else is at meeks wrestling and then you got youtube which is uh stephen meeks so yeah just put put the psychedelic sweetheart if you if you have a hard time spelling it p-s-y-c-h-e-d-e-l-i-c sweetheart Uh, you know on on the, the gimmicks and whatnot so yeah thank you thanks for having me i had fun
1: oh man you are welcome, in time, Meekman. Uh, well, listen. Thank you guys for joining us. You can. Uh, my name is Brian Renegade. You can follow me on all platforms at Brian Renegade. Got a lot of things going on. Uh, if you're into the food uh, and you want to know about the Phoenix area, Phoenix, Arizona, we got. A website called Phoenix Foodies Magazine. Uh, you go on there, check out all kind of food. We got healthy options for you. Uh, top restaurants in the city, uh, best places to take your girl on a date night, all kind of stuff. So uh, go to phoenixfoodies.com and check us out over there. Um, also, you can go to bluewatchforautism.com if you want to support a good cause. Uh, give to uh, Blue Hearts and we help families uh, that have autism and uh, yeah, you can get them all kind of equipment uh resources all that jazz so go to uh www.blueheartsforautism.com if you want to support a good cause uh and then if you are in eastern north carolina and you need somebody to talk to uh you know we have mental health services down in eastern north carolina so you can go to StraightWalkInSee.com and get yourself some help if you need somebody to talk to uh or if you just need uh just a a different point of view on some things that you might want to change in your life. If you don't have a personal guru like Austin Aries, <laughs> you know what I'm saying. <laughs> Go to straightwalknc.com. and if if you do want to check out more of what our guest Austin Aries, he was dropping jewels tonight, fellas. Did you did you guys? I love that man. You were dropping jewels on us, brother, and uh, the world needed to hear that. So thank thank God that you came by. And uh, Justin, for the crew, man. We uh, we we thoroughly enjoyed it, and you are welcome back anytime
0: on the show. Let's do it again. I had
1: a lot of fun, thank you guys. Yeah, let's do it again. All right, let's do it again. Damn it! Oh man, uh, you can follow us on all our platforms at the Best Damn Wrestling Podcast. We're on uh, Google Podcast, Amazon Music, uh, Audible, wherever you get your podcast, you can listen to the Best Damn Wrestling Podcast. Um, I don't know if you guys know this, fellas, but now we're at 3.1 million impressions. uh right, so. Uh, people love to watch the replays of best in wrestling podcast and love our guests like the esteemed Austin Aries on this thing. Um, beautiful people, we can't hold you no longer. Thank you for joining us. Uh, thank you, Stephen Meeks. Thank you, Austin Aries, for joining us on this podcast, man. Beautiful people, we will see you next week All the next best. best. Yeah, wrestling podcast. <laughs> Beautiful people, we bid you. <laughs> Boy, all my stuff all over the place. We bid you. Uh, <laughs> <dude>. <laughs> 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 we bid
3: you. <laughs>